You're listening to Cortez Radio, CKTZ 89.5 FM. This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents, which you can also listen to on the web at cortezcurrents.ca. This is the third in a series of articles about island aquifers. First, Quadra ICANN water security team members Jude McCormick, Chris Wellstein, Bernie Amell, and Mike Gall talked about the impending water problems on Quadra Island. Then we reviewed some previous stories about this issue on Cortez Island. Now we return to Quadra ICANN, where the water security team delved deeper into the issues affecting island aquifers. As Bernie explained, there's only a limited amount of hard data. There were well logs, in other words, drilling information about the aquifers, but it's kind of spotty and it's kind of voluntary to submit that uh, information to the government website. So there, there is the government test site that Mike referred to that has good geological information. Uh, the first indication we have is that there's uh, s- several different aquifer layers below south part of the island plus the karst topography, which is the same thing that generates limestone caves in the north part of the island, and that's what Jude has tapped into. And we think that that's a major source of the lakes that are in the centre of the island as well. It would be uh, seepage out of the karst topography. And, of course, if that changes, what happens with the turnover in the lakes and So there's a great need to understand better what's under our feet and then to say, so what does that mean and and how should we be ready to adapt to further climate change based on what we learn? So that's a pretty big undertaking, but uh, it's in our point of view from a a climate risk point of view, it's, it's one of the most important things that we should be paying attention to. Mike here. I'd like to add to that, that climate change is one aspect of what we're concerned with, but the other one is how we affect surface precipitation getting down to the, the aquifer systems by, through development. Every hard surface that we add or change in the topography when we develop affects the ability for the aquifer to recharge. So each road, every ditch, that creates new drainage lines that weren't previously there. Each driveway creates a new drainage line that wasn't previously there. If we compare that to exactly what you observed with the Linné farm system and how you needed to recover that so that the lakes wouldn't get the algae blooms anymore in the summer. He's referring to the Dillon Creek Wetlands Restoration Project on Cortez Island's oldest farm. This parcel of land was originally wetlands, which filtered out many of the nutrients that would have otherwise flowed into Gunflint and Hague Lakes. The wetlands were drained decades ago and turned into pasture. As the number of human properties and dwellings along the shore increased, so did the amount of nutrients seeping into the lakes. This influx accumulated in the algae bloom and fish die-off of 2014. The Dillon Creek Wetland Restoration Project is the first of what may become a series of initiatives meant to re-establish the lake's ecological integrity. 
we need to understand all of that. Plus, we do have some major developments on the books with the Strathmona Regional District for some very large developments that are shrinking the size of each of our properties, not our properties, but the properties that are allowed to be developed normally on Quadra, that have great potential for causing a change in the aquifer or amount of water. Not the least of which is as you add every additional house, there's further drains on that aquifer system as they input wells. So it's something we need to understand before we overdevelop too quickly and get ourselves into real hot water. One of the proposed developments is for 51 residential lots, a campground, marina, and two waterfront parks in Galland Harbour. The owner-developer, Rick Shelenick, has been trying to get a public zoning meeting since 2010, and the Strathcona Regional District Board recently pushed the possible date back to January 2022 because of the COVID-19 health risks associated with in-person meetings. I've got a question on that one. Are you referring specifically to... I'm probably not going to pronounce his name right, Shelnick. And the Shelnick development is one of uh, several proposals that are in front of the SRD that have to go through the public process at this point. And I think that there's an assumption by developers that they simply have to install the appropriate number of wells to access that aquifer that isn't limitless, quite frankly. If you consider the impacts of Agriculture in California, as an example, where they've drained massive aquifers, where in the Midwest of the United States, they've actually depleted some of the most ancient aquifers of North America to the point that they probably can't recover within our lifetimes, even if we stopped using their water. So the islands, Cortez, Quadra, Reed, Morel, they're all microcosms of what's happening on a larger scale. If we do the right things, use the right science, develop the right policies, make the right recommendations, that could be magnified outward from our island as opposed to inward to this island. Do you have the data to tell how a large development would impact the aquifer? Yes, we do know. We do know that the one test well we have is going down. We do know that people we talk to who have shallow wells are experiencing less volume of water accessible to them during the summers. We do know that there is a change happening on this island, whether we can scientifically back that up yet or not, we do know there's a change happening. So when we're looking at developments like Shellinick going in or any of the others, Oh my goodness, it does feel like we're abusing a system that we don't yet understand, that already we're going past a line that we should not be testing right now. One of the concerns on Cortez Island is that drilled wells are allegedly punching holes in the aquifer, and this could lead to its collapse. Is this a concern on Quadra Island as well? Draining? Yeah. Draining the aquifers. Yeah, and in one case there was a year-round wetland where it's now dry land during the summers that's happening everywhere i've got a wetland on my property of 11 12 acres through the middle of it it used to be wet when i arrived here it is now dry in the summer 
is it connected to the wells or is that a separate issue altogether? I think these are the Bernie. kinds of questions we need to explore. Sorry, Bernie, carry on. Yeah, we simply have the sketchiest of information right now. We cannot say one way or the other because it's so easy to see one effect and another effect and think they're connected together when maybe they're not. There can be aquifers above each other and they're not connected to each other. And that is certainly what it looks like based on the water chemistry. The deep wells have a very different water chemistry here, some of them with quite problematic metals in it, compared to the shallow ones, which never, they have some iron, but that's about it. So we just don't know. And that's why we need to get scientific about this. And our first step is a very significant bit of citizen and, and professional science to to really understand what's going on. Oh, and Mike here, I think if I can add to that, I think that we can all agree that it's a highly complex web that surface waters can eventually impact the below surface aquifer system. And as Bernie said, the aquifers aren't necessarily connected vertically and they're not even necessarily connected on a lateral and they appear at different depths in different locations. It's, it's, it's very complex. Surface waters, like I run on a, a shallow well, it's only about 15 feet deep. I've never gone dry, but I also have really good drainage running towards that particular spot. It's almost, well, it's continuous, it's all year, despite the driest of seasons. So you can't just make a single blanket statement that says that deep wells are draining the above ground water rich surface areas. It's just too complex to even make that comment. This is Jude. Oh, sorry, Chris. Uh, I just wanted to add to that really quickly that the other part of that is as we take the fresh water out of some of the aquifers, there may be a layer of salt water that will come up to the surface as the fresh water disappears and then that aquifer would be damaged maybe permanently. Bernie here. Rather than focusing on just the potential negative effects, there is a concept that's emerged in the past 10 years or so in stormwater management, which is called natural water balance. And you, you look at what the um, natural system, the ecosystem of the land has developed in response to a particular kind of water cycle and say, okay, there are tools to allow development to occur while respecting the natural water balance. Cleaning the water up, restoring wetlands like you've done in Cortez, biofiltration so that the, the water is good and clean before you put it in, that sort of thing. So there isn't just a negative side to this. There's also a positive opportunity side to this understanding, if you like, with always holding the health of the ecosystem as the kind of highest objective. We could be advocating, and I, I want to say this you know, now a personal opinion rather than you know anything that we've debated and agreed to. So I'll, I'll state my personal opinion for concentrated developments, uh, either commercial, industrial, or, or closer spaced residences, we should be advocating for a natural water balance approach and that 
that the engineering should be done because it's, it's just part of the precautionary principle. We know that there are other shallow soil areas that have been where that kind of development has caused big trouble. And, you know, rather than waiting for the big trouble to occur, we should be saying to anybody advocating something that we, okay, you have to maintain the natural water cycle on your land. This is something that's done, for example, in the entire state of Florida, because they're trying to keep the salt aquifer down. They've been doing it for 20 years. So it's not an unknown thing. You know, it's, you've got to pay attention to the interaction of the development and the aquifers. It's, or else you've got a, a nightmare if you try to solve the problem after it's occurred. You've been listening to Chris Walstein, Jude McCormick, Mike Gall, and Bernie Amell from the Quadra Island Water Security Team talk about Quadra Island's aquifers 